Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Your hands before you. Jesus, in these days, he's not interested in us just coming to a meeting. giving this invitation to intimacy into a divine romance with him and to have a divine romance it means you have to be close to embrace as we've said before it's like standing on his feet and allowing him to determine the moves and the pace and the direction but in order to stick with him stay with him you have to stay close you can't just be at arm's length because you won't be able to keep your feet on his can't be outer courts Christianity there can't even be an inner court Christianity any longer because it's still based on our preferences on how close or distant we want to stay with him but God is calling his church to this intimacy with him where we have to be embracing him so closely holding so tight to who he is that we move with him, we're directed by him, we, we feel his heartbeat because our heart, our chest, if you like, are so close to his chest, we pick up the very heartbeat of what is going on in him, his love for his church, his love for the world, his love for what he has created, that he wants to transform in the power and by the power of his spirit. And that invitation of intimacy, intimacy isn't soppy. Intimacy isn't even emotional. Where it becomes, oh, just an emotional thing with Jesus, ah. Because everything he does is by his spirit. And his spirit can be gentle, yet powerful at the same time. His spirit can be gentle, yet full of authority in the same moment because his nature and his character are not just expressed in one dimension when he reveals who he is and expresses who he is we get the fullness of who he is being revealed it might be fronted by his mercy in any given moment or his grace in another or his patience, kindness, goodness in a different scenario. But God is breathing strength into his church at this time. The word kiss in the Bible, when, when we kiss the Son and when we have a kiss with Jesus, it's not a sentimental, emotional thing. 
The word kiss means to be strengthened with the fullness of who God is in your very being. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of worship. And God, through this invitation of intimacy, is cultivating a people who from the depths of their being, those rivers of living water, release the worship, the adoration of everything that He is worth, everything that He is due because of who He is. He is the mighty living God. He is the majestic, awesome King. He is the great I Am. He is the Ancient of Days. He's the unshakable, immovable One. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the mighty living God. And we need to honour Him and glorify Him in that way. Not treat Him as a second hand. Fag end of our lives where we just tip him a bit of here and a bit of worship there and a bit of obedience over there. He's calling his church at this time to a life of obedience, a life where we willingly lay our lives down. We say, God, take everything that you have purchased, take everything of who I am that belongs to you and fill it afresh with your spirit. Fill it afresh with who you are. I don't want to live a soulless Christianity. I don't want to live in preference any longer. I don't want to live in the lukewarmness of what I like and what I don't like and how I give myself to you in one moment, but I give myself to something else or someone else in another. I want my heart to be gripped by who you are. I want the very fibres of my being to be full of you, infused with you, overflowing with you that my heart is taken by your heart. My mind is filled with your thoughts and with your mind. There is no space for lukewarmness. There is no space for compromise. There is no space for where there's time for everything in these days. There is no space for that any longer. Because God is pouring out His Spirit on those who will willingly allow Him to possess what belongs to Him in a fresh way. He's pouring His Spirit out on all flesh. But those that will be revived, those that will live in a dimension of His Spirit that He is pouring out, that is a selfless, surrendered, submitted to His Lordship, to Him being King on the throne in their lives. It's those kind of believers that God wants to release His Spirit through in an unprecedented, uncompromising way. Releasing the full nature and character of who He is from one extreme to the other, 
of what we think that is, gentleness in one end, but His incredible majesty, might and power at the other. And all the way along, infused with mercy and grace and love and compassion. Releasing His power. people who find themselves on their knees in a fresh way, on their own with Him. The people who lie prostrate where nobody else knows, in their bedroom, their lounge, their study, wherever there's space to do it where you live. Where we prostrate ourselves before God and say, God, I need you afresh. I need you to come upon my life. I need you more than ever. to allow Him to press down upon us with the weight of who He is. To allow Him to press through every fibre of our being with who He is. God wants to go way beyond His presence. We focused a lot as the church all over the world for the last few years talking about the presence. Anybody Saved or unsaved can feel the presence of God. And it doesn't change you. You just know God's there. What God's interested in is His glory coming. He's interested in His glory coming. He's interested in His glory coming. Because when He comes in His glory, He reveals who He is. People's lives cannot stay the same. When you encounter God in His glory, there's a reverence, there's a fear of God that comes upon you because you realise who you are in the light of who He is. And you fall on your knees, you fall on your face and you say, God, I'm not worthy of you. But yet in the same moment, you are worthy. It's such a dichotomy. When He reveals His glory in that way, you feel absolutely nothing. You feel like you're nothing before Him. But yet because of who He is, the very fullness of His life is released in you. And you look into His face with eyes of fire looking back at you. And this cleansing power of His Spirit goes through you. This fire goes through every fibre of your being. And everything within you cries out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is not here for our benefit. God is not here to pat us on the back and say, what a great job we're doing. God is not here to meet every need that we have and every prayer that we pray that's based around, God, would you bless me? God, would you do this for me? God, would you do that for me? God is not here for our benefit and purposes. We are here for His purposes. The Bible says, Jesus said Himself, Seek first my kingdom and righteousness, and everything else will be added. 
as we seek first His kingdom and righteousness, He looks after everything else. Whether, whether it's a practical thing, whatever it is in our lives. Because you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. God is not interested in church any longer in terms of us going through the motions and just having meetings and turning up on a Sunday thinking, well, we've fulfilled our duty or connecting online even on a Sunday. Saying, well, I went to church, I clicked in, I sat in my pajamas, had my cornflakes, had a cup of tea, thought it was all right, yeah, now I can get on with the rest of my day. God's not interested in a Christianity like that. Jesus said, come, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There's a lot in that one statement. The word come, it means to be saved. It means to surrender everything. Come, surrender your life to me. Surrender everything and follow. The follow is the divine dance. Standing on his feet. Being as close to him as possible. I want to be with you wherever you're going, Jesus. And then he said, I'm going to make you. The word make there means to form, to shape. It actually means, the word actually means to be ordained. He says, come follow me. I'm going to ordain you. And to be ordained means you're set apart for something holy. He says, come follow me. I'm going to ordain you. I'm going to make you, form you, shape you to be like me. So that you can be fishers of men. What does it really mean? It doesn't just mean to be good at a bit of evangelism. It means so that my life-transforming power can work through your life. To touch other lives. To see them transformed by the power of my life and who I am. Father, we thank you that you are you're here today. You're at work by your Spirit. Father, I thank you that you're calling your church at this time to an, with an invitation of intimacy. To a divine dance and romance. Where we're infused and, insat- and saturated with who you are. Yesterday, at the end of this time of celebration for Pastor Colin's life, we had that moment a few weeks ago for for the church, for our own church here. We had a whole message the Sunday after he passed away. 
that led to this charge. Take the stick and raise the banner and what that means. I just want to read the verses from 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 8. The charge that God, I believe, gives us as believers. Don't, don't just, if you're sitting down, don't just go into, well, I'm going to sit and listen now. Just continue to engage with God. And it was the following morning after my dad passed away that my mum was praying and, and God gave her a bit more clarity about what he said the night before, just before he passed away, when we didn't fully understand or comprehend exactly what he was saying at that moment because of the situation. And, but the following morning when my mum was praying and God spoke to her and gave her these verses and said, this take the stick and raise the banner. It's a charge. It's a commission. It's a charge. And, and this is the charge here. And it says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who would judge the living and the dead. We, we need to live our lives, our Christian lives, understanding this, in this context, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who one day will judge the living and the dead. There's a reverence and an awe of God in there. That one day you and I, every person, is going to stand before God and we're going to have to give an account of our lives. And sometimes we gloss that and put a bit of floss on it in the church. We make it sound like, well, you're going to be all right because you're saved and sorted. He's going to say, welcome, come on, well done, faithful servant. But one day, you and I, every person, we are going to stand before the living God. And in that moment, I think we're going to fall on our faces. We know there's a banquet. We know there's going to be loads of rejoicing. But surely the first time we see God face to face, we see so many things right through the Bible. When people encountered God, the first thing they did, they hit the deck, they hit their faces. They were in awe of who God was because they met with Him in His glory in some way. And just this, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. This is Paul speaking to Timothy, one of his sons in the faith. It's like Pastor Con or God through Pastor Colin, if you like, is giving us this same charge. It says, preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Pastor Colin lived his life like that. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. That's already, we're in those days now. In the church, not just in the world. That's right. 
They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. The word myths there, it means man-made fictions. Things that man has made up and says this is now truth or this is now correct or this is now the way of things, whatever that might be. But you, verse 5, so society was pretty bad then in the same way it is now in terms of what's going on. But here's the charge from the Apostle Paul. But you keep your head, have a sound mind in all situations. Endure hardship. What does that mean? It means in the face of the things of life, Endure challenge. Endure going against the tide, going against the flow. Somebody sent me something the other day saying, if you go with the flow, you end up downstream. But if you go against the flow, you go upstream into where the water is fresh, where there's life teeming with things where there's higher ground, where the living water comes from. And we want to be upstream Christians, upstream believers in this day, in this time, where the fresh living water of the Holy Spirit is flowing in us and through us. Then we're not going downstream because we're trying to fit in with everything that's going on around our lives. But it says, you keep your head, have a sound mind. Endure hardship, challenge, whatever might come your way. Do the work in evangelists. Discharge all the duties of your ministries. For I'm being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. For us as a family, this is like a summary of, of our dad's life, my dad's life. But yet at the same time, it's a charge to us. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. There is an unprecedented release of the Holy Spirit that God wants to bring in our nation. And there's, in different ways, a few little signs here and there. God is taking what a lot of us are calling generals of the faith to be with Him. And many of those men and women have seen things that none of us have seen or lived in. We might have been the recipients of and we've grown in the good of because of their lives. But some of what these men and women have seen, we have not ploughed the ground for those breakthroughs. They have ploughed a ground for those breakthroughs that we live in the benefit of, in the flow of in that sense. But yet God is taking many generals to be to, to glory. And it's like an Elijah, Elisha moment that is going on at this time. 
where there's a, a release of His Spirit in an unprecedented way coming upon the church, not just an individual here and there, but upon the church, the people of God. And those who choose to pick up what God is doing, because it's there in the Spirit, is there to take a hold of. And it's those that take a hold of that that will see an unprecedented release of God's life and power in and through them, His Spirit in a fresh way. But it can't be done on our terms. It can only be done on His. So Father, we are here today, or we're in our homes, wherever we are, connecting in. <clears throat> I can't pray a prayer for you, because God responds to the cry of the heart. And God is after us in these days. He is after us in a good way. He's after us. He is after every one of us. He's like, come on, join the divine dance. Respond to my invitation of intimacy. I've set you apart for my holy purposes. You are mine. You belong to me. I've bought you with a price, with my blood. You are a blood-washed believer, a blood-washed child of mine. I've made you holy and blameless in my sight. I call you. Come follow me. Come follow me. As I form and shape you into who I've called you to be, I've given you everything of who I am. And at the same time, I'm forming everything of who I am in you. So that the Christ likeness of who I am leaks and oozes from your life. I'm sure many of us are already responding and praying and saying, yes, God, in some way or other this morning. But I want to just invite you to move physically in this moment from wherever you are. And you can either stand or you can kneel or you can lie flat on your face if you want.
But I want to encourage you, unless you literally physically can't move from your seat for some reason, I want to just invite you to take some kind of position, whether you stand, kneel, lie down, up to you. I just want us to respond to Him in this moment. And just put yourself before Him. And, and just say to Him, God, I don't want to be a churchgoer. God, I want you to break every sense of a religious mindset of my life in, in any way that is there. Well, God, I surrender afresh to you. Just invite and put it in your own words, but in response to whatever from this message is relevant for you. And just let that cry come, put words to it. Don't just have thoughts in your mind. Put words to what is going on in you. Speak to Him, talk to Him. Release what is going on in you, whether it's a cry that says, God, even it might be as simple as, God, just take me, take hold of me afresh. I don't know what else to say, but just have what belongs to you in a fresh way. It might be that He say, God, I need to repent. I need to ask you to forgive me for this. I, I want you to break that thing that's going on in my life, that cycle, that repetitive thing, whatever it is. God, I thank you, you come and cleanse me. I thank you, you bring freedom into my life, whatever it might be in this moment. But just do business with God. Do business with Him right now. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. God is not heavy. There's no condemnation. He's weighty because His glory is weighty. Let Him come upon you in a fresh way. As you stretch your life out before Him this morning, He wants to come upon you afresh with the weightiness of who He is so that He literally infuses your, the very fibre of your being in a fresh way with Him as you prostrate yourself or stand there or kneel there before Him and say, God, have what belongs to you. Take a hold of this life in a fresh way. Fill it, consume it, breathe afresh by your Spirit within me. I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to stay the same. Jesus, I want to be like you. Form your Christ-like nature in every fibre of my heart, my mind, my being, in my soul, in every aspect of me. Let my spirit be in tune with yours. Let my spirit be full of your spirit. Let the very heartbeat that is going on in your heart right now be imparted by your spirit into my heart, into my life at this moment. Let me see you in a fresh way, God. Open the eyes of my heart that I may see you in a fresh way that I don't see you as I have seen you up to this point, 
But Holy Spirit, open the eyes of my heart that I may see you in your glory. I may see you in your majesty. I may see who you are glorified on your throne, being worshipped in heaven endlessly at this moment. Let me see you in your glory, Jesus, so that I encounter you, so that I cannot stay the same. Oh, just let it go, let it go. Let every self-consciousness go. Let every fear of man go. Let every worry go. And anything that holds you back from responding to Him right now, forget what anybody else is doing in the room or at home. You just let out what you need to let out. Just express right now. Some of you need some the silence of things, of fear broken over your lives this morning. As you let out that cry, what is in your heart? Many are going, yes, God, I want you. But it's a, it's a whisper at this moment. And God says, let the cry come from your heart at this moment. And that breaks off fear. It breaks off strongholds. It breaks off restrictions. It breaks off the lie of the enemy. It breaks off where he holds you down and holds you back. Where that cry rises on the inside of you, Jesus I want you more than anybody else. I want you more than my husband. I want you more than my wife. I want you more than my kids. I want you more than my job. I want you more than my home. I want you more than my bank account. I want you more than my reputation. I want you more than my career. I want you more than my hopes and my dreams. I want you more, God, than anything and anybody else. I want you, God, more than anything and anyone. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I thank you, Father, you're here with the fire of your Holy Spirit that you're working in every heart and life, in this room, in every home. Father, I thank you that you're coming by your Spirit afresh to the church in this nation. Oh, with a fire, the fire of your love, the fire of your mercy and grace, the fire of your compassion, the fire of your forgiveness, the fire of your cleansing power, but the fire of your Spirit that burns so deeply in us. Everything else that's not of you gets burnt up because of the fire of your Spirit that is at work in us. And there's nothing in our lives then that we want to give ourselves to because You have caught our heart. You have gripped every fibre of our being. That You become the longing in us, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Do only what only, only You can do in our hearts and lives. As we stretch out before You, Father, as we stretch out before You, I thank You. Come and do in us. And You're going to continue day by day by day by day as we, as we set our hearts and lives to know You, to seek You, to walk with You. You know, when you set yourself to seek Him in a fresh way, 
His grace comes to enable those encounters and meeting with Him. His grace is released to enable what He is doing to happen. Father, we thank you for your grace. In your presence, there is no striving. (laughs) There is no self-effort that can get us anywhere. But your grace, as we respond to your word, is released. And as we pray, as we cry out, as we set our hearts and lives to be with you, to set aside in the morning or whenever it might be, and we say, God, this time's yours and yours only. There's no phone, there's no iPad, there's no computer, there's no social media. It's just you and me in the intimacy of holiness, abiding with you, remaining with you, allowing you to infuse my heart, my mind afresh with you. No other distractions, no other loves, nothing else that can take me away from you. It's just you and me, Jesus, alone in a divine dance. And in these moments, we realise there is no condemnation. His mercy treats us in a way that we don't deserve. But yet His grace at the same time enables everything of who He is to be released in our lives. And when we live in awe and reverence of God, the way we look at others is with His eyes of love and compassion because we know it's only His mercy at work in us. It's only His grace at work in us that enables us to be a child of God. And when we look with others with eyes of mercy and grace and love. And in our own hearts we have, well, who am I to judge someone else? Who am I to take the speck out of theirs when there's planks in my own in that sense? And as we allow God to revive us and work in our hearts and lives, there's an environment, a culture of grace and love that is released to one another and to those that come amongst us, whether they walk into our homes or they come into a building or they join us in some way or other in our lives. There's a a culture, an environment of mercy, grace and love that is at work in us and it's released through us. So that when somebody says, man, I'm struggling with this, we don't judge and condemn, but we get alongside them. We walk with them. We love them. We're merciful. We're gracious. We say, hey, I want to walk with you. I want to walk alongside you. We get a hold of the truth together. We pray with one another. We stand with one another. And we see them come from depravity into healing. We see them come from whatever they're in into something of God in their lives. Because we don't judge and condemn others because God doesn't judge and condemn us. And this culture of grace, this environment of mercy, grace and love is a place of safety. It's a place of security. It's a place that releases confidence in people. There's a walking in the light with one another where we might be, we confess what's going on in us because there's no fear in love. There's no fear saying, well, if I really say what's going on in me, they're going to reject me. 
<laughs> Actually, the opposite happens. When you open up your life to God, what's the first thing He does? He comes like a rushing river, flooding into your life, meeting you at that point of need when you cry out to Him. And that's how God's called us to be. When somebody cries out or somebody says, hey, I need help. This is what's going on in. We rush towards them with rivers of mercy, grace and love. With no condemnation or judgment. That's who God's called the church to be. As the world comes running to the church. Because the world doesn't see a church in that that's like that as one that's judging, condemning and criticising and you're not good enough and we're this, we're that and you're not and, and everything else. But the world comes because there's a people of mercy there. They don't judge you, condemn you, put you down and treat you like a piece of dirt. They love you in a way that you just don't deserve. You feel overwhelmed and you say, I'm not even worthy of that love. But yet these, these people love people in a way that I've, I've never experienced or encountered that kind of love. Father, forgive us. We're the church has had a reputation whether, whether our own church has, Father, kingdom faith in any way, any other church represented here or in our nation, Father, where in any way, shape or form, the world looks at our churches and who we are. So it's not going to go near them because they're weird. They're into this. Or when they do, they only condemn you and reject you and tell you you're not good enough or this, that or the other and all this kind of stuff that goes on. Jesus, people ran to you when you were walking the earth. Sinners and prostitutes and the tax collectors and all of that, they finally they ran to you, they came to you. There was something about you, Jesus, where you are holy, but yet they wanted to be with you. They couldn't stay away. Oh, Holy Spirit, form us, make us who you've called us to be. Form us, make us who you've called us to be as your people, as your church, as your bride. Continue to work in your bride that you're coming back for. That we truly would be a bride that is preparing our lives, our hearts in every way, living in preparation, living as if you're coming back today, living in that place of preparation, ready for the groom that's going to come, that we're going to be married to for the whole of eternity. Jesus, Jesus, let's all stand together. Let's just stand to our feet, shall we? Let's just stand in the presence of the Holy One. Let's stand in the presence of the One who loves us without limit, without measure. His love is unmeasurable, it's unfailing. Unfailing, His love will never ever fail. Anyone who comes to Him and says, God, I need you, He comes immediately. When Jesus walked into Jericho and Zacchaeus, the tax collector, wanted to see Jesus, the tax collector was like an outcast in that culture because he stole from the tax collectors, were Jews and they stole from their own people. They were wealthy. Then 
The short fella climbed the tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And as Jesus had crowds of people around him, what's he going to say next? What's he going to do next? What's going to happen next? Jesus wasn't pressured by the crowd to perform. He left the crowd, went over to the tree and he said, Hey, Zacchaeus. The word Zacchaeus means pure. Amazing. To the people, Zacchaeus was a sinner. He was an outcast. He was dirty. He was scum as far as they were concerned. He's a, he was a chief tax collector, it says in Luke 19. And he was wealthy. The things are in the Bible for a reason. And he says he was short as well. If you had, if you had some physical impediment then, <clears throat> people saw that as, oh, that's God's judgment on your life for some reason. There's something wrong with you. And he's a short fella. He was wealthy, stole from his own people. Didn't, people didn't like him. You're a sinner. The very person Jesus walks over to you, what, has come, what comes out of Jesus' mouth? He looks at what in the people's minds was a sinner, outcast, piece of scum. And Jesus looked at him and he said, pure one, I want to come to your home today. That is mercy, grace and love in action at that moment. Jesus didn't start with Zacchaeus, you sinner, you piece of scum. What do you think you're doing? Being in my presence. Wanting a piece of action. He didn't come like that. That's what the people were thinking. What's Jesus doing? Going to the house of a sinner. What is he doing? What on earth is he? That's how the people were thinking. But Jesus said, no, here's an invitation to intimacy. I want to be in your home. Come on, let's go. I want to spend time with you. For Jesus, the rabbi, the holy one, to go and sit around a table in a, quote, sinner's home, was to say, I identify with you. You are one of my friends. That was a no-go in that culture. But yet Jesus went there. What happened when Zacchaeus encountered Jesus? He said, half of everything I have, I give it to the poor. And if on top of that, if I've stolen anything from anybody, I'll give them back four times the amount. What's that? That's a life transformed in that moment. Maybe he wasn't very wealthy anymore, but what was important to him dropped off his life when he encountered Jesus. Everything changed in that moment. And as, as we stretch our lives out before Jesus every day of our life, don't, don't go through a day where you don't stretch yourself out before Him. Don't have a day where you think, oh, I haven't got time, missed it, got up a bit late, or so much has been going on today, I can't squeeze it in. Oh, never mind, I'll get round to it tomorrow. Don't live a day without stretching yourself out before Him. What I mean by that, you don't have to lie on the floor, but stretching yourself out saying, you might sit down, kneel down, lie down, stand, do all of it in one go, I don't know. But time where you're saying, God, I'm yours. I just want to be with you. I want to join in with heaven now and worship you. I want to sit in your presence. Whatever you want to do so I can receive from you. You might write stuff down. You might meditate on the Word. You might then pray for people, whatever. Don't go a day without abiding with Him in that way. 
because he's your life, he's your source, he's everything you need. I tell you, the days we're in already, yet alone, yet what is coming, if we're not doing that now, let's put it this way, you're stuffed. You'll find that in the Passion, not the Passion, in the, one of the translations somewhere. Because we, we can't live a Christian life any longer that's just tipping God here and there with our time. Turn up to church on a Sunday, go to a small group every now and then. I might go to the prayer meeting or not, or I might do this, that, or the, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I'm busy. you stretch yourself out before God, things change in your heart. Desires change, motives change, longings change, priorities change, focus changes. And you begin to see life through His eyes because it's His eyes and hand that are orchestrating everything in here. And then you begin to see everything in a different way. Your perspective, you, you understand the bigger picture of what God's doing in a fresh way. But you also begin to understand where I am, where you are in that big picture being worked out in the daily of our lives. It's like, God, you're doing this. And so I want to live like this today as part of this that you are doing. Maybe it's time to finish this morning. Jesus was not conventional when He came. And we can read all the books, how to do a church meeting, how to have this and do that and the other. We can say, well, what about people coming in who don't know Jesus and all of that. Forget talking about Sunday meetings as are they relevant for somebody coming in who is not saved? Because Jesus didn't think in terms of meetings and how you do them. He thought in terms of life and what is going on in someone. Jesus didn't say, come follow me and we'll have fantastic meetings. He said, come follow me and I'm going to make you because of what I do in you. My life and my power is just going to ooze through you to your friends, to your neighbours, to your work colleagues. My life and power is not going to be restricted to a meeting in a building somewhere. You won't be able to contain who I am because of what I'm doing in you and therefore through you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So Father, we just thank you for what you're doing during these days, not just in a meeting now, but what you're doing in these days. We're going to get into some stuff over the next few Sundays as a church. some really practical stuff. It's quite earthy in our lives or in people's lives. Why? Because we're called to be the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ, what does a bride do? She's preparing herself for that day when her groom stands there at the front and she comes in and walks up and the groom, his jaw drops. He looks at his bride who has been preparing herself. She's not doing it for herself. 
She's doing it for the one she's going to be married to. What does a bride say? She said, I want my face, my hair, my dress, everything to be as stunning as it can be so that when I walk up that aisle and the man I'm going to marry looks at me down that aisle, he, he, he starts to weep. He can't believe that he's going to be married to me. That he, everything in him is saying, I want to be married to you. The only one that my life is for, my eyes are going to be given to, are the one that walks down that we're going to be wedded to. That's how we want to be for Jesus, right? That's how we want to live. So Father, I just thank you over these during these days you continue to work in us continue to revive us continue to move in us by your spirit that our homes would be filled with your presence your glory in a fresh way our every home every lounge every bedroom our kitchens dining rooms studies attics whatever it is that we use in our homes to live in that our homes even our bathrooms and our toilets whatever will be full of your presence will be full of your glory will be a place that honours you and glorifies you. That we don't watch anything on the telly that goes against who you are. We don't listen to music that is talking about stuff that is foreign to who you are. That our homes and lives will be a place of habitation for your glory, for your presence, for who you are. That you would be honoured to walk across the threshold of our lives and our, our homes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory, the honour and the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just raise our voices. Let's thank the Lord, shall we? Let's thank Him for who He is. Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, let's glorify Him this morning. Let's thank Him for who He is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.